Hey everybody, welcome to the Rainbow Boys, the fishing podcast for aspiring anglers and folks who just don't fish yet. I am Dan. And I'm Nick. The Rainbow Boys community exists for one reason, to inspire all to adventure. Be it on the water or through the trees, we just want you to get out there and get your toes wet. On today's episode, we're going to zoom in really close to one type of fish, the Colorado State fish, in fact. I know what you're thinking, Nick. You're thinking the rainbow trout, the very species of trout that our podcast is named after. And I would say, I Nick, wish it was. Nick, I know you know that that's not the state fish because we prepared this episode together and we both know that it's the greenback cutthroat trout. And if you're like me, you just learned about this fish, which is why we got to talk about it. And now it's not actually always been the, the state fish. Because in fact, we here in Colorado didn't have a state fish up until 1994. As it were, this might be breaking news for a lot of people. 29 years ago. 29 years ago. And we're going to talk about the fish today. And we're going to share its fun story because I think it's got a fun story. And it's a little special to me because this wasn't an episode that we were planning. But last week, I had my first encounter with a greenback cutthroat trout. And it was really special. It was so special that it was kind of infectiously special. And I reached out to so many people and told them the story. And so Nick and I were like, well, well, let's do an episode about it because it's fun. Yeah, we catch rainbow trout and we catch brown trout a lot where Nick and I fish and the little bit of catching that we do, it's often a stocked or wild rainbow or brown trout. They're the most common. There's just a lot of them farmed and then a lot of them put into the system. But last week I was on a hike with my family. And we, my wife had hit a trail with some friends and she loved it and it was beautiful. And she'd been asking us for a few weeks to take the boys out on this hike. We finally went and it had rained. It was one of these wonderful summer afternoons in Colorado where it was super hot all day and then it rained at like two o'clock until four and then it stopped, but it was nice and cool. So we hit this trail and it's a pretty steep hike and we're going up and we're following Creek. We're following Bear Creek, which is for you Colorado natives, you know, it's in the Southern part of Colorado Springs. And if you already know your history a lot, you already know why this is important as far as meeting a greenback cutthroat trout goes. When we get to the hike, there's a bunch of signs around that are like, no camping, no fishing. And I'm like, bummer, because like me and my son Nolan, we're always hunting creeks for pools to do a little bit of fishing, even if we're just going to get some little jigs out and we're going to catch some little seven to eight inch brown trout in the creek. It's still, you know, that's I mean, that's primo. That's a really special type of experience. So we're always on the hunt. Um, We're going up the hike. It's really steep, but the weather's beautiful. The boys are complaining the whole time. And anytime the trail gets close to the water, we take a little peek down. Is it accessible? We go play around in it a little bit. At one point we went down, I spotted one little fish dart um, into some depths. And I thought, oh, cool. There's there's little fishes in here. It's probably a little brown trout. Like I see a lot. We go up a little bit more of a ways and we find a bigger pool. And I find this and I spot this really fascinating set of water. And I'm going to describe it now because it was simultaneously beautiful and confusing where this creek is running down and we're on a pretty steep incline. So there's a lot of elevation change down. So a lot of waterfall-esque type water. So when the pools happen, they're pretty unique because it's, you know, there's a steep grade down on this creek and there's this, you know, white water kind of going down. Now this creek is not more than four or five feet wide at max and deep spots are maybe two feet. So it's not a deep, if you've been, if you've seen Bear Creek in town, it's not wild, but we come to this spot where there's these two big logs that are creating this pool that looks pretty deep, maybe three or four feet deep and water is rushing up to it and then it stops. And then after the second log, water is rushing past it. But in the center, it's almost still water, which is really fascinating. I never really seen a pool like this in the creeks that we've seen in the part of the canyon where we live. 
But I looked at it and I was like, there's got to be some fishies in there, man. Like this water looks too good. It's just still enough and it looks just deep enough. And we're hiking around in it. And, you know, I've got a five-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old and we're all together. And so my wife's got the one-and-a-half-year-old and we're peeking and I'm like, where are the fishes at? And my wife sees one. In fact, she sees a bunch. She sees a school of fish and then one that's maybe six or seven inches. And she goes, oh, I see them. And my son and I kind of walk around and we peek. And it's crazy because the water is clearly flowing through this pool, but you're seeing no movement of the water. It's like, looks like stillness. Rapids before the logs and then rapids after. It was this really fascinating place. And if Nick and I go visit it, we'll take some photos and I'll throw it up on social media so you guys can see what I'm describing. Because I, was, I wasn't even really looking for the fish. I was like, really baffled by how much water was rapidly flowing out underneath the log, but there was no movement in the pool. So Aaron spots, my wife spots the fish. I get in a better spot where I can see it. And there's one fish that's about six or seven inches and the rest are really, really small. Like they had spawned really recently. They're in the first year or so of their life. And when I spot this fish, I'm like instantly like, I have no idea what this fish is. I know it's a trout, right? I'm looking at spots, but it's, it's fins are like dusk and red. And I was like, oh, it's a cutthroat. But then I started seeing the, you know, Nick on like a golden rainbow trout, how it's got those brown circles kind of throughout yeah. its stomach. It's not dots. It's like those ovals. I saw ovals. Yeah. But then when the light glistened on it, it glue like a rainbow. And I was so confused because, you know, I'm still pretty new to learning all the variety of species. But I I was like, it, it's got the red on its gill and its chest like a cutthroat. And then a bunch of the spots toward the end of its tail are really dark and like a lot more spots. It was so cool. I was like, what is this fish? I can't fish it. It's against the lots. I don't know why I can't fish here. I can't wait to meet it. So I pulled out the camera. I'm taking video of it. I'm chatting with my five-year-old. Oh, man, what do you think it is? We're like having a good time. It was fascinating. I've never seen a trout like it in the water. You know, like you see a rainbow when you see a brown in the water, and it's pretty clear what species they are. Very distinctive patterns, very different from each other. This one was so confusing to me. <laughs> so I have the video, and I pop by English Kobe the next day with my son because we're running some errands. And on the way back, I'm like, hey, guys, I just need, like, what is this fish? And I show it to him, and like, oh, it's a rainbow. And I was like, no, 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 no. The video's really bad. So, like, you look at it, and you can't really tell. And I was like, no, I, it was like, and I described all these different ways, and they're like, oh, that's weird. They're like, maybe it was a greenback. And I was like, what is that? And they're like, where were you? And I was like, Bear Creek. And they're like, that's a greenback cutthroat trout. They're like, did it, you can't fish that. There were signs that said no fishing right. And I was like, yes. And they're like, this is, that's the Colorado State fish. And I was like, I've never even heard of this species. And now I can't get enough of studying about it, figuring out where can I catch this thing because I want to meet it. You know, there was something so magical about interacting with something that I didn't know at all. You know, in the last four months, I've been diving pretty deep into trout. We even started a podcast recently about it, <laughs> believe it or not. So yeah, it's it's been a thing. And to meet to interact with the species that I couldn't name, not that I know everything about it, but the fact that I haven't even heard of one. And it literally, the trailhead is eight minutes from my house. And what I learned is that the greenback cutthroat trout is our Colorado State fish, this beautiful, distinct species, a really rich, vibrant color scheme that is like this wild combination of so many other species of trout. It was so cool. It was an experience that I'll never forget. Greenback cutthroat is now like at the top of my wish list of trouts to catch next to tiger trout, California golden trout, which if you haven't ever seen those species, Google them right now while you're listening. One of the reasons why trout's so cool is there's so many variations on the species. It gets pretty wild. But this beautiful trout, let me, I just want to, now, now that I've told my story, I want to talk a little bit about this species because it's fun to know that we have a state fish. Yeah, I got the state bird tattooed on my arm like a good old Colorado boy. 
is supposed to have state flowers, state bird, you know, the classics. Shut up and play in the hits. Nick, are you cool if I dive into talking? This part's going to be not as fun yeah. as the inspiring story. I just want to give our listeners a little peek, right? They're medium-sized trouts. Usually they range from about 10 to 18 inches long when, when they're big boys. They can grow up to 20 inches, which is ideal for people who are looking to catch and release some of them. They're named greenback because, believe it or not, they've got this greenish hue that they exhibit on the top of their backs, which is a lot more prominent than other cutthroat trouts or other types of trouts. They have a more yellow gold copper color in their belly and spots that scatter across their body. And they get, like I said, more heavy towards the tail, which to me was such a weird experience. You know, browns, you've got these little colored spots and they kind of seem consistent. Rainbows, they've got the little speckles all over. Um, and these spots are up on the dorsal fin. They're on their other fins while those fins are looking a little bit red. What sets them apart, like I said, is that they are a cutthroat species. So if you're out there looking at cutthroat trout and you see the, the big red on the gills and then red or orange that goes on the underside of their belly and their lower jaw, it's a trait shared among cutthroat spout species, but it's particularly brighter with the greenbacks, which is very cool. As I mentioned, they've got these cool dusky color red fins. And what's really cool that's different about the cutthroat trout is, like most trouts, to be honest, I was going to say this is unique about them, but from what I've been from what I understand, based on their diets and their habits, like these coloration and these factors can vary, just like a lot of the species. You know, when you catch a cutie that's a rainbow trout and it's a stock, you can tell how different it is from a wild trout by how vibrant the colors are. And that's just one example of how a species that can have the same genetic code can present super differently. Trouts, we know this, all trouts, they love cold water, they love fresh water. And the greenback cutthroat is ideally suited for high altitude clear and cold freshwater streams, which is why Bear Creek, are you ready for this? Yeah, yeah. Man. You say, yeah, yeah. Bear <laughs> Creek is the only known natural habitat of the pure genetic greenback cutthroat trout. That's wild. That's like a little that creek. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. And it's like down the street from us, Nick. And that's it, that to me. It makes a lot of sense from like a an evolutionary standpoint because it's pretty isolated. It's small. And right. like you, you had mentioned earlier, like the waterfalls, that really helps with oxygenation of the water. It's a great yeah. habitat for them. Like I mentioned, designated as the state fish in 1994. And what's cool about it, obviously the colors, very special. High altitude streams and lakes only found in Colorado, which if it, when I when I was studying this, I'm like, well, what would why would they decide that this is our state fish? Well, how about the fact that this trout is only found in this state, that it's only natural habitat is a rare creek up in here. The reason why I even like start with all this is because there's like a fun story to the greenback cutthroat trout here in Colorado and how it's almost been extinct twice. There's laws that protect this fish. It's a catch and release only if you are allowed to fish in the area in which the fish has been placed because they do a lot of breeding now and they do place the cut the greenback cutthroat trout in a lot of uh, rivers and waters up in northern Colorado. So not a ton where we are. If we rewind a bunch back to the 1800s during the gold rush and there was a ton of mining here in Colorado and there's still a lot of really popular destinations here close to Colorado Springs for mining that you can go visit, jump on the train, look at all the caverns, all the mining shafts, etc. There was so much damage that was happening from the mining operations to the natural environment being dumped into the streams, destroying the water quality, truly destroying multiple species of fish's habitats, and the greenback trout being one of the primary ones. As settlers were moving into Colorado during the Western expansion, that blended with overfishing became a really big problem, which is what kind of almost decimated this species of like super rare, super exciting, super fun fish 
if you're a rainbow boy like ourselves and gets excited about <laughs> unique species. In the late 1800s and early 1900s, non-native species were also then introduced into the Colorado ways for recreational fishing. Once Parks and Wildlife realized, hey, we're running out of fish, we should try breeding our own. <laughs> when we started adding these non-native species here, they started to outcompete the greenback cutthroat trout for resources, which added to the decline of that species itself. And then this thing that happened, which to be fair, we all make mistakes, Nick, right? Yep, yep. In the mid-1900s, efforts were made to restock Colorado Springs with more what at the time they thought were greenback cutthroat trout. And anytime I read an article about it, they keep calling it a mix-up. Due to a mix-up, yes. <laughs> another uh -huh. species, just like the basic Colorado River cutthroat trout, that was the one that they were stocking instead. So they were breeding this cutthroat trout, and they thought that they were doing the greenback cutthroat trout. And it wasn't until the early 2000s when finally we had genetic testing that was accessible and affordable to use on, I don't know, fish revealed that the greenback trout was really only sound in a four mile stretch over here in Bear Creek. It's wild to know that that's the only natural habitat for these actual greenback cutthroat trouts to exist in. So if you don't catch fish, if you don't care about fish, it's still kind of fascinating to think that there is a specific species that only that's its only natural habitat is here in our backyard. Like that's for me, that's that was really kind cool. of a powerful thing. And as I got, as I captured the video of it and I had no idea what I was experiencing and how exciting it was becoming, I sent it to uncle Tim neighbor down the street. As I told Nick today, like hit the reservoir this weekend and we didn't. And I was like, how did it go after he invited me? He's like, it was pretty good. I only caught 15 trout and we're like, only, only. I sent it to him and he goes, oh my gosh, I can't believe you captured this almost endangered species on video. This is huge. And I was like, wow, this it's huge, man. And like what it took was me and my wife going out on a Friday afternoon saying like, look, it's been a hard day, but I think it would be good for our brains to get the boys out, put them in the nature, put them by the creek. Yeah, one of them screamed a lot. We had to feed him snacks the whole time. Yeah, the other one complained about how hard the hike was the whole time. Honestly, if we had done video of it or pictures for Instagram, it wouldn't have turned out great. But it didn't matter because the truth was we got to interact with an incredibly rare species. I was with my boys in a the only known natural habitat to the Colorado State fish. Boom! When we shift conservation efforts and we start changing our understanding, then we can like help beautiful things like this grow and be treasures for generations to come, which is a really cool thing that happened before even Nick and I thought about the idea of two boring white guys starting another podcast. Yeah. People have been investing money and efforts into it, and it's just so exciting. Now, when the Colorado Parks and Wildlife Department initiated the captivating breeding program, it has since increased, like I said, the greenback cutthroat trouts. And these are being restocked in native streams. And you can find them, like I said, like up in northern Colorado in Rocky Mountain National Park. A lot of greenbacks have been introduced up there. Here in the springs, like I mentioned, Bear Creek is the only known place that there's their natural habitat, that their occurring population is here. And those fish are protected, which is great. And I am excited to honor it. But even before I learned about it, I was like, all right, I'm going to come. I can't fish here, but I'm going to come back with one of my nets and see if I can yeah. just pull it out of the water really quick because I just couldn't determine what the species was. Also, Zimmerman Lake, up located near the town of Bellevue. Zimmerman Lake is another spot where they've reintroduced the greenbacks as well. And there's, like I said, a lot of other streams and rivers in northern Colorado. So in the, the early 2000s, when they're sending that genetic information away, where were they sending it to? Sponsestry.com? It's not good, but I'm gonna <laughs> but I'm gonna put it in the episode. That's what they get for mixing up the fish, man. It literally is a slippery slope. Yeah, it's it, well, they're hard fish to are slippery. Identify. They're hard and they're slippery. <laughs> yeah, the, look, the if if, if we lost the greenback, it really would mess up a balance of nature that we have here. 
And yeah, we might not realize it when we're out at the brewery or we're headed to the park with our friends or we're grabbing a film or getting pizza delivered. It might, you know, it's easy to think about how stuff like that doesn't truly affect us. But these trouts are definitely a link in the local food chain here. They keep our rivers clean and their health always is a measure of how well the environment is doing in these water sources. Not to mention that they're a big part of our heritage here in Colorado. And people like us who really enjoy fish and who really enjoy the variety of species, we'd really miss them. Like I said, Nick, it was super fascinating to have an experience like this encountering a species I'd never recognized while I'm fully immersed in learning everything that I can, you know, like we're pretty yeah, dedicated. It's very special. Yeah. It felt, it felt like yeah. a, a gift. I was baffled that it seemed like such a mix of other species. And part of me is like, okay, well maybe I should go online and learn about all the species I can, or I should just wait until I meet them in nature and they can be a part of my history too. Our passion for fishing can sometimes turn into something greater, like a love and an admiration for the wild and for the pieces of this world that have been and will be here before us and after us. And I feel like that's what's happening to me the more I encounter things like this, experiences like this, and share them with my family. And it's like, man, on a breathtaking hike with my boys and my beautiful, lovely bride, who we just celebrated 13 years. Congratulations. On Look at us go. It's irreplaceable, man. It didn't cost us anything. And guess what, Nick? We got our toes wet, which is the goal. Awesome. We didn't even catch any fish, but it was a very fish, fishy, fishy experience to get our toes wet like that. How would you describe that interaction with that fish? Do you think that you've gathered more? I mean, obviously it sparked your interest in, in doing the research and learning more about it, but did you feel that that excitement of, of seeing something new and even not catching it? Like, was that almost as, like we call it fishing's drug, was it almost as as a high as catching it the tug is a drug type yeah i mean like it was my thirst for knowledge right now is pretty insatiable when it comes to the the fishy world especially trouts yeah just because it's so vast when you dive into something as an adult and you're looking for something new to grow your mind or your passion or your hobbies it can get really addictive so i was like really struggling to focus on being present with my family afterwards for real it was like a challenge i was like this is so fun and exciting i see my yeah. boys every day but I've never seen a fish like that. And I was like, well, that's a silly thought. My boys are far more important. Figure out how to balance this, Dan. Balance these emotions. <laughs> yeah, it was it was fascinating. It was, I think what was really neat about it is like we were very close to these fish because they have never been fished. And they're not in an environment where they're even like afraid of us standing in the water two feet from them. Yeah. You know, and my boys aren't quiet. We <laughs> pop into other places and we see brown trout scatter because they see us from, you know, 10 yeah. feet away. And if, but these fish were patient and beautiful and like whatever you know like just swimming around doing my thing when you encounter a creature in nature like that that doesn't care that you're there it makes you feel smaller but in the good way yeah good question i don't know if i fully answered it but no i like it so we rainbow boys or trout tribe and the brigade have a special place in our hearts for trout the magical mm -hmm. world of fish is vast so we hope that you can find something that sparks your excitement just like dan has found in the greenback and until then, make sure you follow us on social media. Follow us on Instagram and subscribe on YouTube. And look, if you're just hearing this and you haven't seen how we spell Rainbow Boys, we do it every episode. So we do it now. Rainbow, B-O-I-E-S, podcast. Or that's, our, that's actually our email. So 
rainbowboyspodcast at gmail.com. If you've got any questions or tips or ideas, want to share something with the community, send us a DM on Instagram at rainbowboys, B-O-I-E-S, or email us an audio recording. We'd love to play it on the show. Love to hear about your fishing stories. We'll have some episodes coming up that are just fun stories, not even educational based, just like, hey, our friend Keith caught this big fish and then fell into the water. Things like that. Follow us on Instagram at Rainbow Boys. Shoot us an email, rainbowboyspodcast at gmail.com. Boys is spelled B O I E S. Tight lines, trap tribe. Tight lines, trap tribe. And the big guys here with it. Tra line.